When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. It is Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Ronaldo turns into trouble. Brilliant footwork. Amazing goal for Cristiano Ronaldo. Suddenly, red shirts flooding back. Chance for Cristiano Ronaldo! And then Ronaldo! What a goal by Cristiano Ronaldo! Sensational! The greatest marksman in the history of the Champions League with an absolute beauty! Ronaldo to hit it. Oh, brilliant! Absolutely brilliant! Too far for Ronaldo to think about it. Oh! Absolutely sensational! He went through Armunia, beaten for pace. Now Ronaldo, long way out. What a goal! Not too far out for him. Oh yes! What a goal from Ronaldo! And Ronaldo wins the match for Manchester United. I have to say I'm running out of words to describe this lad. Look at that ball. We were all beginning to convince ourselves, telling ourselves the old lie that Cristiano Ronaldo is not so good anymore. It won't hurt too much when he's at City. He's a different player now, nothing but a wax model lookalike with a robot-like ability to score goals. Well, then things changed. We're a fickle, silly bunch. Football is a game of emotions and that's why we love it. And the roller coaster it takes us on, the sense of belonging from childhood through adulthood. And it was our childhood emotions that came flooding back when Ole Gunnar Solskjaer slowly teased that Cristiano Ronaldo to Manchester City might not be such a done deal after all. He's a legend here, he said. We're always here for him if he wants a new challenge. The hours passed, the reports changed, the sense of hope grew, excitement too. And then just before 5pm UK time, it was announced Cristiano Ronaldo back to Manchester United. The club he joined as a scrawny little mercurial teenager in 2003. He frustrated, he excited and eventually he took over the world and dragged United with him to Premier Leagues and European glory. And now he's back, ready for more. It's not the signing United needed, no. It's a huge amount of money. It's not all smiles and glee, but it'll be a fun ride. And that's what football is about.
Welcome to Series 7, Episode 4 of the Manchester United Weekly Podcast, where we'll be reacting to the re-signing of Ronaldo anti-United's uncomfortable, but uh, somewhat entertaining for the neutral 1-0 win against Wolves, inspired by a teenage talent who will learn so much from Ronaldo when he arrives, Mason Greenwood. Jack, we're going to begin with Ronaldo's reaction and delay the match review uh, for the first time, I think, on this show because of the magnitude of the news. But it was, as I said we had kind of begun to convince ourselves of a lie and we were telling ourselves it wouldn't hurt that much. But then once Solskjaer teased it, those four hours or so before it became official, you did get that feeling in your stomach, that, that, that buzz, that sense of excitement that was just unavoidable completely. I've never seen a turnaround like it in the transfer market. I really haven't. I mean, it's just unbelievable, really. I mean, I woke up on Friday morning you know, fully expecting to see Ronaldo confirmed as a Manchester City player that day and and went to bed on Thursday night feeling the yeah. same. And that was a, a really just gutting feeling. And then I woke up and because I'm in the US, I'm so many hours behind, woke up and it was sort of first thing in the morning that Sol- Solskjaer made that press conference where he just teased it, didn't he? He just teased it that, you know, he's a legend. If he ever wants a new challenge, we'll be here. And, and now we, with all the reports of account, we know that he knew full, yeah. full well what was about to happen in the next few hours. And it felt like every five minutes there was a new update that Man City were drifting further and further out the race and that United, another, you know, either ex-teammate or current player had contacted Ronaldo, whether it was Ferguson or Ferdinand or Evra or Bruno Fernandes or Solskjaer. It felt like every five minutes there was a new update. And then when the actual official announcement came, despite the fact that it seemed like a foregone conclusion, given all the reports out there, it was still such a shock that we actually announced it so yeah. quickly. I mean, it literally in the space of four hours, it completely switched from, uh, it looks like he's going to City to he's officially confirmed as a United player. I mean, it, it, it's just unbelievable. I've never seen anything transpire so quickly with such a big transfer. Yeah, it's it's completely unprecedented. There has never been anything like it. And there's, yeah. It just, it just tested you and, and, and that excitement about it. There's, there's lots of things we can go on to discuss, but just that excitement. And I think the key here is just the excitement around the club will kind of permeate all through it from the players. There was reports suggesting United's players were asking in training that morning, why aren't, why are we letting Ronaldo go to City? Why aren't we taking him back? And you can just imagine I mean, I mentioned Mason Greenwood and we're going to talk about him after his third goal in three games when he when he won it for United against Wolves. But Greenwood, Marcus Rashford, Jesse Lingard, these are kids who grew up idolising Cristiano Ronaldo. And the same is true, actually, for plenty of the other players. This isn't, it's it's not like a, a just a United legend. This is a, a legend of the game. It's the same for Bruno Fernandes. It's the, the same for, for Paul Pogba. It's the same for everyone in the United squad and reunited with Rafael Varane as well and the the impact of this is is huge um and I think we can talk about the excitement again and again but we should consider as we're moving on now and it, it hasn't settled in at all yet really um but what does this change for United I, I I say it hasn't settled in I just cannot picture him in the United shirt yet I just yeah, it's not yeah. it isn't quite real yet when I see in the cardboard cutout the yeah. fans in the away fan in the away end that Molyneux had today of Ronaldo like that to me, when I think of Ronaldo, I, I, that is still what I think of. That's still the first sort of yeah. image of Ronaldo that pops into my head, especially in relation to United. So now it, trying to imagine him in this new sort of t- like shirt with Team Viewer as a sponsor instead of AIG, it, it just it, honestly it doesn't. It, I, I can't imagine it yet. But I think we, what I loved about this. Go on. I was just, I was just going to say he's coming back as 
he's not just coming back as he's coming back as an entirely different person. When he arrived, when yeah. he arrived and when he left, he those two were different. Cristiano Ronaldo, as he came as like, as I said, scrawny little teenager, he had that kind of messy hair with blonde highlights added braces. And then he bulked up after the 2006 World Cup and he began to get this, that, that jet black hair gelled back in the most ridiculous way and bulked out and, and looked like a world beater. And then he went to Real Madrid and with every year, he seemed to get more and more, look less and less like a human and more and more like a, just this machine, this completely like this, this painted machine. And now he comes back to United as that player, that kind of wax, wax work lookalike. Um, so it's not just that he's coming back as this proven winner and one of the greats of all time, but it, it's also just the way he looks. And, and when he left United, despite the fact that he was already at that point, you know, right up there with Messi as the best player in the world, he was still just a footballer at that point, but he's not now. He's one of the most recognisable people in the world. You know, United's Instagram account yeah. apparently increased by a million followers in the few hours after Ronaldo's signing was confirmed. Like that is the sort of larger than life, not even image, but just person that he is. And I don't even mean that necessarily in terms of his personality, but just his following and his standing in, in the world is completely yeah. different to what it was when he first uh, left United. Which is, which is an interesting point as well, because I, I, I don't want to get ahead of ourselves because th- this next point is utterly moot if City continue just to win everything and United win nothing. But a lot of people talk about the, the turning point in United City rivalry as City became the better team for the last decade was when we allowed Carlos Tevez to go to City because it was not just a brilliant player for them because they could have found another brilliant player, but it was a one-up on United. It was a, it was taking a great United player, bringing him to City and, and, glowing City, and growing City as a, a global brand. That's Ronaldo for them would have been that on another level. They, City would have been transformed into a mega club, one of the most well-known things in the world globally. And whether that means it's worth bringing Ronaldo to United just to stop that, that's you can have different opinions on that. Fine, but it has stopped that, and it has kind of given United that that status again, which is what we said about Sancho and Varane as well. Yeah, I think. I mean, this would have been game-changing for City in terms of their their stature as a club. And it's, uh, it is very sweet to know that we've stopped that from happening. But I, th- I think what I loved about this the most and, and sort of how it unfolded, I've always felt that what is special and unique about United is that no, despite how, you know, how big and how commercialized Manchester United has become as a club and as an organization, I've always felt that there remains some sense of family and like community and some sense that this is still at its heart a football club that is, you know, a a group of, of players and a group of fans that, that do sort of care and have a connection. And obviously that has diminished as football has grown and become more commercial, but I still felt that more so than other big clubs, United has retained some sense of that. And I think it came to the fore massively in the way that this all transpired. That it wasn't it wasn't as if this was just Ed Woodward reaching out to, you know, Jorge Mendes to, to try and strike yeah. strike a deal to get one over on City. You know, this primarily came and was directed by ex players like Ferdinand and Evra, by our old manager Sir Alex Ferguson, by our current manager and ex teammate of Ronaldo, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, and by current players like Bruno Fernandes. And, you know, seeing the likes of Evra posting screenshots of his conversation with Ronaldo on WhatsApp after the transfer was confirmed and Ferdinand saying his phone call with Ronaldo and finding out that Bruno Fernandes was FaceTiming and, and Ferguson got involved, you know, that, to me, that is the essence of what United is, is that we are this big giant of a club, giant of an organisation, but we do 
seem to retain slightly more than other clubs of this ilk, slightly more of a family feel, I think. And it was lovely to see that come through in the way that this all transpired. It was, no, you're our family. We can't let you do this. Yeah. And that feeling is missing all too often at United, but occasionally it, 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 there's a, there's a reminder of it. And has been missing primarily since Ferguson left and has slowly been being brought back under Solskjaer, I think. Yeah. And it was just lovely the idea of Fergie having an influence again. I think we all we all like that. But in terms of what it changes for United, I think, what does it change tactically? Realistically, we now have a, a proper centre forward, a poacher. You'll have Bruno Fernandes behind. You'll have two either side. Uh, first choice, I guess, is, is Rashford and Sancho, possibly Pogba and Rashford and Pogba and Sancho. And then you've got Greenwood and Martial as well. Ahmad's gone alone. James's chances will go shooting down. Cavani will come off the bench regularly, but his role's massively reduced as well. But I think... I think the main impact to Ronaldo is a an emotional one. The first being, well, a, a mental one. The first is the emotion, as we've spoken about, doing one over City and bringing this, this great player back to the club. And the second is is, is mentality, is, is that winning mentality. This is, I think it was it, was it Jurgen Klopp's Liverpool side where they were becoming known as mentality yeah. monsters. And there is no player so monstrous in his mentality than Cristiano Ronaldo throughout his career. And that is what is coming into the United dressing room. A, a, a man who is so, so driven to win and, and win again and again and again. I, you just, you cannot quantify that impact. Yeah. In terms, I mean, in terms of the impact on, on who we're playing, I think to me, the ideal would be to have, you know, a 36, soon to seven, soon to be 37 year old Ronaldo sort of rotating at, striker with Cavani and so to the point where they they both play around 30 games each I don't think that will happen you know I, I think that would keep them both fresh which would be nice but I doubt yeah. that would happen I doubt Ronaldo would would sort of accept that kind of role so I imagine it will firmly be Ronaldo's position at striker and Cavani will come in for yeah. some games maybe we'll go two up top at times if we need it at, at the end of the games if we're losing but you know I imagine it will firmly be Ronaldo's striker position to hold on to and Cavani will, will be rotated Around him, I think one thing it will do tactically is that I think United are already a team that relies very little on their striker for build-up. I think, you know, Cavani gets involved more than any other of our striker options. But even historically for the last five or six years, we haven't really had very much involvement from our striker in the build-up. It's all been directed from midfield with the striker there to sort of put the finishing touches on it. And that, I mean, that will be magnified even more with Ronaldo, a player who has, you know, transformed his game. Again, what we're saying about him being a different yeah. person to when he left United, he's also a completely different player. He, he, I think there's no argument that he's become better since he left United, but he's also become less complete. And he's, his involvement in the general game is far less now than it was back in 2008 or 2009. So, you know, I think we should expect that he probably won't even have that many touches throughout the game. I think we've all become accustomed to that, watching him at Real Madrid and Juventus. But what he has become is this ultra efficient, just unbelievably consistent goal machine. And I think that's what we should expect, that he probably won't have that much involvement. It will be a reliance on the likes of Fernandez, Pogba, Rashford, Sancho, Greenwood, whoever yeah. it might be playing behind him to provide the service. And you trust that Ronaldo will, will put the finishing touch on it. But given... I mean, have, we've just watched the Wolves game. Given the lack of some type, the, the, given how free United's attack is, and sometimes that makes for great games like Leeds and that freedom allows for United's attack to play brilliantly. And other times you think, what's the plan here? What's uh, the, Let alone yeah. plan B, what's plan A here? And sometimes you can't see it. 
and that can hold United back quite a lot of the time. There's so much talent in this United attack. And in that Wolves game, we just, I mean, wh- where was it? You've got, we had on the pitch at, across the game, Cavani, Pogba, Sancho, Martial, James Greenwood. It's a huge amount of talent, no matter what you think of, of them individually, that should have performed better than it did. And this isn't, I mean, this isn't an anomaly. We've seen it many times. And you think maybe have it, when we've played with Cavani, we've looked better and we've looked like we've had more of a plan. And you think maybe with Ronaldo as that target man, then the, I don't know, tactical inadequacies of the system might be less obvious because Jaden Sancho will know that if he can get a ball into the box from the right wing and pull it back, Ronaldo will be there waiting. The same for Greenwood if he plays wide, Rashford when he comes back and and Pogba will know he can float that ball in for him as well because he's so good in the air. So that could be a good influence. But there, there are lots of questions. There's no doubt we will be talking here being frustrated at Ronaldo as we were frustrated by Cavani sometimes, Ibrahimovic sometimes, Pogba sometimes. All of our great players can all be frustrating at times and we know from our own experience watching Ronaldo at United but also watching him at Juventus and Real Madrid that it can be frustrating to watch him. And there's lots of questions like uh, what does it mean for for Mason and for Cavani? Does Solskjaer have the have the bravery, the courage to leave Ronaldo out when it's needed? And what happens when things aren't going Ronaldo's way? Will he throw a strop if he doesn't get given a penalty or a free kick or anything? There's there's lots of these questions and it's not an absolute cert, but it's it's close to being a cert to be successful in some ways, even if it has some negative drawbacks as well. I mean, I think there's there's no doubt that using your brain to look at this, there are there are question marks. There have to be. You know, we've spending a lot of money to bring in, like I said, a thirty six year old who He's still a very, very good player. You know, it's easy to forget he scored, I think it was 42 goals for Juve last year. But he is 36 and he doesn't offer too much outside of scoring goals. And so absolutely there are question marks. And like you said, United, I think, has become a team that is, it's not a collection of of very big personalities who are sort of their own players. I think it is very much a group that is together. At least that's what it looks like from the outside. And, you know, will Ronaldo disrupt that? Who knows? But ultimately, football, to me, football is a, is a romantic thing. Yeah. You know, football is all about romance and these sort of storylines that they don't really make sense. You know, I think if, if we were using our head, we wouldn't have signed Ronaldo, we would have signed a midfielder. And I'd, I, to be honest, that may, that may end up, you know, being the reason we can't go on and win the title this season. Yeah. But at the end of the day, I'm here for these romantic storylines. I'm here for this sort of just heart-wrenching moments, these emotional feelings that we get when we have players coming back to our childhood team. You know, I, Harry, people of our age, like we, we grew up watching Ronaldo. I, I remember when I was 10 years old and I went and watched the, the Manchester Derby on the 50th anniversary of the Munich air disaster when we were, wore the yeah. kits from, from 1958, you know, and just seeing Ronaldo in that team. And he was even at that point, obviously one of the best players in the world. And to know that he's now coming back, I, to, to be honest with you, I don't want to say that I don't care if it doesn't work because I obviously do, but it's just it's just exciting, isn't it? And to be honest with you, I don't care that it doesn't really make sense. I I just want to see him play for United again, and I can't wait. Yeah, well, yeah, we all have those those Ronaldo stories and that this idea that he was our hero as a childhood. My one would be the Roma seven one was my first game at United in the Stratford end, and I think Ronaldo had only scored once in the Champions League before that game. In four years at United, his Champions League, whereas Rooney came in and scored a hat-trick on his debut, Ronaldo had never had that Champions League impact in United. I don't, we'd been pretty poor in the Champions League for a few years. And then in April 2007, he just 
just lit it up and scored twice as we beat Roma 7-1 and just dispatched them. And then he scored in the next round against AC Milan. And then the next season, well, then he scored seven and just took it by a storm and we we won the thing. Um, yeah, we are here for the romance. Um, and yeah, I think we will look back and think, I, I think I won't look back and think, why didn't we sign a midfielder instead of Ronaldo? Because I don't think this is an either or. I think this money has been freed up just for Ronaldo. I don't think it was there. I mean, it seemed that the reports suggest that kind of the the argument presented to the Glazers was this is the the Tom Brady version. This is United's Tom Brady, the the old, brilliant player to bring in and just drag you to to success and it's worth spending this extra money on. But I think we will look back and if United don't sign. And also I mentioned like commercially as well. Like most signings are are an investment in the squad, obviously, right? But they're not an investment in terms you don't expect to financially get money back from them. Ronaldo is one of those, to be honest. Like I mentioned the Instagram followers. That's just one example of how Ronaldo financially will elevate the club to even new heights from where they already were. And so, yeah, this is yeah, a lot I'm of money, not... but financially there's an investment to come back from this too. Yeah, I'm never sure, but I don't think it will. It's the same with Messi and PSG. I don't think it will necessarily elevate the club. It might Maybe for PSG it will give them a little more. I think for United, the difference, it's not going to elevate us. I think it may stop the revenue going down if things on the pitch continue to not bring trophies in. Um, but yeah, it's it's exciting. Some questions to be asked still. And um, I mean, have we ever had so many number sevens at United? So many potential United number sevens, Sancho, Cavani and, and Ronaldo as well. Yeah, I mean, we, that shirt was cursed for so long since Ronaldo left, it seems, and now we've got three people fighting over it. And just I know, yeah. just looking on Twitter as yeah. well, it's um, there were reports that there's no way Ronaldo would be able to get the the number seven shirt because the Premier League rules are that. Yeah. Once, a, once a player starts a season with one number, it can't be changed. But I've just seen some reports on Twitter that uh, apparently a solution might have been found with uh, with the Premier League, according to Jonathan Schrader. Yeah. So we'll see what happens. But I think if he can get the number seven shirt, I mean, it would it would be lovely to have that iconic number back. Yeah, although I like Cavani in it. And we don't want the curse to come back. But it's it's an interesting point that we're probably, um, other than, uh, we're not at our best since Ronaldo left, but I think we're we're close to the most hopeful we've been since Ronaldo left, apart from when Van Persie joined, which is an interesting point now he's coming To be back. honest, I'd even, I'd argue this is a, I'd argue this is a more well-rounded team than when Van Persie joined though, to be honest. Like that team was yeah. amazing because Van Persie just dragged us to the league and because the standard everywhere else wasn't quite as good. I'd say yeah. on paper, this team looks more well-rounded than that 20, what was that, 2013 team did. Yeah. Just going back to the midfielder point, it's easy to forget that we're signing the Serie A top scorer as well. It's not like, it is, it is it's still one of the world's best players. But I think yeah. on the midfielder thing, I don't think we'll look back and think, why did we sign Ronaldo and not a midfielder? I don't think they're linked. I think I will look back and think, why did we sign Ronaldo and then not think, let's go. Let's in these last few days, let's get a midfielder and complete this team. And then, and then if you did that, then you would know if Solskjaer was good enough by the end of the season, because if a good midfielder comes into this team with Ronaldo, then United have to win the league or be beaten only by basically the best Premier League team there can be, which would be City at their 100 point best or something. But there is still that massive hole in the United team and that will hold us back. There's no doubt about that. Yeah. The other thing I, I wanted to just pick this is a conversation, larger conversation for another time, but I also wonder if this signing and the 
the sort of good business that we've done throughout the rest of the, of the market is have the fan protests have it have had have they had any effect I on making definitely. the Glazers you know run this club not great but certainly better than it was you know six months ago. Yeah, I think they I think they definitely have. I think these three signings are a response to that. And there's been plenty, there's, there's plenty of, there's some promises that haven't been uh, delivered upon yet, but there has been progress in terms of fan relations, in terms of what they're yeah. saying. What the engagement has definitely got better. Yeah. The results are still to be seen, but the engagement has definitely been, been better. Yeah. And, and pundits can say, well, United fans are just happy now that a few big players have been bought. And I don't think that's true. I think that's certainly true for plenty of those who were angry at, at the Glazer ownership. I don't think it's true for all, but also isn't that kind of the point? Part of the point was complaining at a lack of investment when the money was there. The money has now been spent in a good way. And that is kind of the point. That's what people were protesting about. I think we should also mention before we move on to the Wolves game, there is this moral pickle of being a football fan or an Ronaldo fan and his past and the, the allegations of rape in 2009 that have clouded over a few years now and are yet to be sought out. And when it is a, it is a hard moral decision to make as a football fan, getting caught up in the excitement of it and still having this kind of unknown and unsorted issue. And I think it's a wider point in football. And I've said this with, with Newcastle and City in the past and a completely different thing, but in terms of that's in terms of human rights rather than sexual harassment or, or rape. But there is a problem in football where football fans are always expected to hold up, uh, to, to be the moral shareholders of, of the sport. And I think that can't always happen. And I think while football fans can do their thing for it and can raise these things and, and question them and talk about them and consider them and make their decision, I also think basically you can't expect football fans to make all of those moral decisions. They have to be made and dealt with at, at a higher level and there has to be better things from from that level. We should move on to the Wolves game. And we spoke about that hole in midfield and I think that was <laughs> that's probably an area we can start on the Wolves game, a hole in midfield. <laughs> The holes all over the pitch at one point. I've had many points during the game, to be honest. This first yeah. 20, 25 minutes, I mean, we were just carved open time and time again. I mean, first thing we've got to say, we, we joke a lot about the fact that Wolves normally is our most dreaded game of the season, not because we don't like playing them, just because it's boring to watch. <laughs> That's one thing you can't say about this new uh, yeah. Bruno Larger regime at, at Wolves, that this is certainly not a boring team anymore. I mean, we're, we're extremely lucky to come away from Molyneux with a win. It's a huge three points, I think, to pick ourselves back up, go into the international break with some momentum with, you know, Ronaldo obviously still to come in. But yeah, I mean, very lucky. It wasn't a good performance. The midfield was all over the place. Pogba in that two, sure, he offers us a lot going forward, but defensively leaves gaps, which means that Fred is then relied upon to really do everything and as as much as we talked last week about how great Fred is at just being sort of tenacious and everywhere, he can't do it all himself. And there were too many times where Shaw would go forward, Fred would be left one-on-one with Adama Traore, which is just not a fair fight. Trincao coming off the right was brilliant. Jimenez was a problem, you know. Yeah, it was, we were all over the place for a lot of the game, but we came away with a win, primarily because of three players. Rafa Varane, whose debut was fantastic, and he saved us four or five various times throughout the game. De Gea was one of the best saves I've ever seen and the star boy Mason Greenwood yet again. 
Yeah. Starboy, three and three, 19 years old. His 20th birthday is coming soon and he's making sure he's picking up as many records as he can before it comes. He really is. A brilliant start to the season for him. And I think a, a great, I mean, a, a great bit of individual play from him, 1v1. And he had a few of them, but I do think United were really poor and really lucky to get away with that. Traore ran yeah, an absolute massively. riot. Fred was a, a shambles at a start. He just, uh, Traore completely had him on toast. I've rarely seen a player. I mean, it, it, Lukaku against Pablo Mari. It honestly reminded me of, of yeah. that levels of just complete dominance. And for, I've, it, it got to the point where you just felt sorry for Fred. Like, I, I don't know what you can do here. You're so much smaller, well, so much slower. And honestly, I, I really did feel sorry for Fred because... I, I, like he was just getting put on toast. You're right. And that is sort of down to him. Just the physical, physically, there was no contest, but yeah. I mean, how many times did it happen throughout the game? Right until Adama got brought off with the five minutes to go. How many times was Fred left one V one on the Dharma Triore? Like, I understand that we like, we need to go forward and Shaw is a big outlet for us down the left. But at some point, surely you've got to say, right, Shaw, you know what? Don't go forward as much. We can't keep leaving Adama one-on-one against Fred. I especially so it, it thought- just kept happening over and over and over again. I think that I think that really showed the problem with not being able to trust your right back to offer enough in attack. Because if United had equally, yeah. if United's fullbacks were equally good in attack, then in in that case, because Maguire's a slower defender, you'd push Wambasaka forward, and then Traore would have. But basically, Traore targeted the left side because Shaw was going forward, Maguire was slower, and then Fred covered there. And the only person to make up for it was Fred. Whereas on the right side, if you push the right back forward, then Traore targets that side, but he comes up against Varane, who's quicker, stronger, and better suited to deal with Traore. And United had to push Shaw forward because he's the better fullback at doing that. And it left, that was kind of, obviously there were other reasons, the two-man midfield, Pogba isn't as good in that role. But I think that was also a, a point worth making. Um, but Pogba did show his weakness defensively. He can't yeah, help and Adama it. just switched just switched sides. Like he started on the left, Wambasaka. He was beating Wambasaka for the first ten or fifteen minutes, and then to be fair, Wambasaka then, to credit to him, kind of got a hold of him and, and tied yeah. him down for a few minutes. Then he just switched to the left, yeah. and then after that, he had the whole that whole side was yeah. his. I thought Varane was really good in the air, particularly. He was good in general, but I think there was one aerial battle. He looked, he kind of got flattened a bit, but I generally thought, especially near the end. You know, we've had those times where end of a game, we've had them against Wolves, we've had them against Southampton, we've had them against, I'm talking in past games, we've had them against Everton, against uh, so many Villa. teams. Villa, yeah. Um, where it's last five minutes, loads of balls come into the box and we don't clear them properly. Varane was just getting his head on all of them as Maguire's done in the past as well. And that's a seriously, a really strong back line now. Um, yeah. But I do think, I think we were really poor there um, in that game. And there wasn't enough. You just didn't know what United were trying to do. There was kind of, yeah. you had this back three of Wambasaka, Varane and Maguire, Paul Popper and Fred in front. And then you had, how how many players are left then? You had <laughs> Shaw, Greenwood, Sancho, Cavani and Fernandez. Five players all trying to run off the defen- the shoulder of the defence, waiting for the ball over the top. And it, it wasn't there because... Yeah. If that's your only option, that's that, that's poor. There needed to be more. Yeah, tactically, there are a couple of things. One is exactly what you're saying, Harry, that so many times in that game, Pogba would pick up the ball in midfield. And I you know, I get that part of the point of having Pogba in midfield is that he can almost play a little bit like a quarterback in some ways. He sort of just sits deep and he's able to then sort of spring past his left, right and centre. But 
five or six times during the game, Pogba would have a little bit of space on the ball. You'd look up and you'd see Sancho, Fernandez, Greenwood, and then Cavani when he came on, or Dan James. They'd all be making exactly the same run. They just want the ball over the top. And that just can't work. And again, it goes back to this thing that we just see, we still don't really have a, a coherent way of playing where we go forward. You have to have at least one of those guys coming short, drag a defender away. All of those players, other than Cavani, not going to win many headers, especially against the likes of Connor Cody. So if you play a long ball up the top, either you have to put it behind the defence, in which case the goalkeeper is going to come out and sweep up, or you put it onto their heads, in which case Cody's going to win the header every time. And when he does, because they've all made the same run, there's no one there to pick up the second ball. Or one or two of you come short, drag a defender away from you, then you've got more space to play the ball into. It just, there were so many times that happened. It was so frustrating. We'd get the ball and they were just, they were basically just lining yeah. up along the Wolves' back line. Four or five players just offering nothing. But the other thing was that I thought what Wolves did really cleverly was they did press us high up the pitch, but it wasn't a constant, a constant sort of really intense press. What they would often do is leave Jimenez sort of to go with whoever Maguire or Varane, whoever has the ball. And then they'd have a line of four of Trincao, Traore, Moutinho, Neves, and they'd be right on Fred and Pogba and sort of spread across the pitch. And so they'd just be stopping that supply into our forwards. And then because they had five at the back, they had enough men back there to cover all of our forwards that were there. And we, we just couldn't play through them. There was one or two occasions where we managed to get a ball through the lines and that then sprung us onto good attacks. But other than that, we, we really, really struggled. I think it was one of those games where you really realise how much of a difference fans make too. The intensity in that stadium yeah. was just massive. It was one of those games where even watching as a fan, you could sense that the players were going to come off that pitch and just be drained, like properly, properly drained and know they'd been in, in a proper fight. And listen, I mean, we got very, very lucky to win the game, both because there was a very dodgy non- foul not given to Wolves in the build-up, which you know maybe is payback for not getting the foul in the build-up to Southampton's goal last definitely week. Definitely not a foul, that. I don't know. Have you seen some of the repog, but definitely goes over the top of the ball. I've definitely, I've definitely seen yeah, them given I've, I haven't at seen the very least. Replays, but um, but yeah, I mean, either way, the, the, the way just the way we played, it was yeah, yeah. It's, it's one for fans to forget and coaches to look at seriously and work on what was wrong yeah. and what needs to be done. And they've got two weeks to do that. I think to finish on and a it's positive it's to celebrate note, that De Gea save as well. We can't Exactly, not I was just going to say. Yeah, incredible. De Gea at his very best. Double save. Fantastic from him. And fantastic from, from Mason Greenwood as well. And I think it's a nice way to end on the 19-year-old Greenwood who has begun to bulk up, has begun to look the part and is beginning to drag this United team forward in a way that Cristiano Ronaldo began to back in the mid-2000s. And he will certainly be one who's looking forward to Ronaldo's arrival in a couple of weeks' time. And that Newcastle game is one people are just, (laughs) yeah... It's got, it's got, it's the same feeling. We came out of the the Leeds game just thinking, when can we go back? When can we go back? And now, kind of a cruel twist of fate that the schedule put those our two first home games like a month apart, but it's ended up working out beautifully because Ronaldo will be there at the next one. Yeah, it will. The excitement will be just as big as it was for Leeds. But United really need to improve. And there's no doubt about that. There's plenty of work to do on the training ground before Newcastle. But it's, it's been a slow start. But United come out with seven points from three games, and that's that's not so bad. Yeah. It's a it's a good win. And yeah, and we've we've got a bit lucky as well that despite the fact that we keep mentioning how great the standard is at the Premier League, that all of the other teams that we think will be sort of the main contenders haven't started brilliantly either. Chelsea looked good, but obviously drew yesterday after the red card. Yeah, 
Spurs have a 100% record, but I think we all expect them to fall off. City obviously lost on the first day. So, you know, I, th- I think we haven't played very well, but thankfully, unlike p- previous seasons, we haven't lost ground in the first few games, and that's key. Yeah, absolutely. Um, one thing to look forward to, um, no no game for the men's team this week as the international break begins, but the Women's Super League kicks off and live on Sky Sports this season. So, And there'll be some free-to-air games on BBC as well, but... United's first game against Reading on Friday night is on Sky Sports. I spoke to Hannah Blundell, one of the side's new signings. It's Hannah Blundell, a defender from Chelsea, fullback. Uh, Aoife Mannion, a defender from City. So some experience with those two, two former Champions League players. And Vildeboer Riso, who's coming in from Scandinavia, uh, experienced head in midfield. And a couple of other new signings as well. Martha Thomas up front and Sophie Bagley in goal. So some new signings. I spoke to Hannah Bloddell. He's very excited to get started. And I spoke to the manager, Mark Skinner, as well. And he talks a really good game. Um, really good. Sounds like a really good fit for this United team. And the players are excited to work with him. And he's really embracing the whole the whole big ecosystem of Manchester United. And he's been speaking to the youth team, the girls uh, training youth training centres and been visiting all over the place and been very busy in the transfer market as well. So an exciting game there as the Women's Super League kicks off on Friday. So tune into that if you're missing your United fix. But until next week, when we'll talk more about some kind of bigger United issues, we'll talk about the WSL, we'll talk about Ronaldo, we'll talk about Greenwood, we'll talk about potentially uh, some more signings, but that doesn't look likely, possibly some departures. Until then, you can find us on Twitter at UTD Weekly Pod. That's P-O-D at the end there, where you can also sign up to be a patron. You can find Jack on Twitter at... At UTD Tate, T-A-I-T. And you can find me on Twitter at HarryRobinson64. And we'll speak to you next week. But until then, have a great week. Keep whistling Viva Ronaldo and humming it in your head. Goodbye. Network. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to. Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.